COVID vaccinations for no longer neutral. Black Lives Matter, whether it's a hash. Can't take it no longer. It's minority children that are suffering the most. Begin to have real conversations. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to No Longer Neutral. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and rate our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. I am Dr. A.D. And I am Dr. Sharice Roper. And I am Dr. Michael Haygood. Welcome, listeners. Hope you've had a time to sort of uh, go past all of our episodes and be able to sort of come with us on this wild journey ride that we discover as we continue to talk with each other about not just educational topics, but also those trendy topics of the day. I want to take us back, Sharice and Ayana, for a second. Some weeks ago, we talked about um, an animal exercise that I did with my adult students. And although you could t- certainly use this with preschool, it would probably be a little bit more difficult. But I want to remind us, we talked about an exercise, and I had some listeners, apparently, who have called in and wrote, wrote in and said that they wanted to know how the animals exercise kind of figured out with you two. And so I remind everyone that typically what I do with my adult students is I do a sort of strategy exercise so I get to know my students much, much more, um, in a much more meaningful way. We do what's called a communication exercise, and it's called the animal exercise because we assign turtle and rabbit and hawk and lion to particular students, and they get to sort of self-identify. And I said that typically when I identify these particular animals with these particular students, I'm able to then justify how I speak with them. You know, I get to communicate with them knowing this information ahead of time. So it's just a way to get to know students. And I then at that point said I was going to come back and define who I think Sharice and Ayana are. So you guys ready? I'm, I've been waiting. Sharice, <laughs> <laughs> out of the four, you're a hawk for me. Ah. You're someone who definitely... Um, you observe everything. You don't miss a thing. But you, you wait on high. And I don't mean high as in feeling superior. I mean wait on high as in an observer. And you wait until it's safe to enter the conversation. And then you come in when you're ready. You don't come in on attack mode, I would say, like most hawks do. But you do have what I would consider to be that moment, that, that big communication moment where you throw in a thought that no one has thought of. Or you throw in a, a statement that goes, oh, it makes us all reflect and think why. That's how I see you as a hawk. Wow. Yeah. Do you think you have any hawk tendencies or hawk communication styles? You know, I do. I, will, I receive that. There was in another position, uh, we were in a meeting, and someone said, just kind of out of the blue, I, I, just what you, you mentioned, I'm just sitting, sitting, and then I said something, you know. And then she said, you know, Sharice always just kind of comes in. You think she's not paying attention or listening. Yeah, there it is. And then she comes in and she says something really profound. And then she just kind of walks away. Yeah. You know, she does it. She's not expecting, you know, folks to necessarily agree, disagree, or even necessarily respond. Yes. Just kind of like, just here's something for you to think about. Absolutely. And for our teachers out there that are listening, you have students exactly like that. Oh, that are yes. waiting for an invitation, mm-hmm. you know, just to have a safe space to be able to communicate. They have a lot to say, right. but they're waiting for that space. Right. Now, Ayana, okay. <laughs> you're not a lion like me. Okay. You're not a hawk like Sharice. Mm-hmm. And you're not a turtle 
mm-hmm. like some other folks. You're definitely a rabbit. Okay. So you make people feel fuzzy and warm. Mm-hmm. You make people comfortable. Mm-hmm. You're silly, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. You laugh a lot. And beyond all of that, you have a way of coming into a space and being very non-threatening to everyone in the room. Yeah. And that's a real huge gift. Thank what you. do you think about that? That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, you know, rabbits, they kind of hop all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes yeah, I yeah. do have a hard time sitting still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's, that's about right. Sounds, sounds just like me. And now that <laughs> we've you. introduced that particular animal exercise and talked about how many teachers and educators could utilize it for their own experiences, let's talk about the new thing that's coming up with preschool, mm. uh, universal preschool, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. What are you thinking? You know, we have this new national, not just in the state, but national uh, movement going on with universal preschool, and now it's become law. Mm-hmm. So now that it's become law, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'll start. Mm-hmm. I think um, on a good note, mm-hmm. I think it's a really great idea in terms of helping folks to really understand. We know because we're in education, but others may not really understand how important preschool Absolutely. is. Mm-hmm. It really is the foundation for learning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Students, studies show that students who attend preschool typically do better in their trajectory in terms of academics and social behaviors, right? Um, I don't think that, I think often people uh, kind of assume that preschool is about just like playing. Correct. Um, But I know that, at least in our district, that there is a lot of educational um, things happening. And sometimes you don't know that it's happening because you can learn through play. You learn by doing. Yes. Um, it doesn't have to be sitting and doing rote work and right. just, you know, barking out numbers and letters right. all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so f- to me, I think that that's a good um, place in terms of making this something that everybody is going to be participating in, in terms of some form of preschool where kids really have to go to school. And let me make sure that the listener knows as well, the universal preschool is only really speaking to Mm four-year-olds. Correct. So now instead of kindergarten being Mm -hmm. somewhere where everyone in California or the nation has an opportunity to go and not just go, but actually be promoted to go. Affordable. Affordable Mm -hmm. to go. Right. That now we're expanding this for all four-year-olds in the nation. What do you think, Ayanna? You know, I was thinking, uh, because I attended preschool, school i was mm-hmm. i was at um christian foundation at age four shout out to bruce boykins who was my my first teacher and i also spent time with a great grandmother prior to that so you know i do understand about research says that early childhood development and giving your child a good start in a good environment appropriate for child development makes a difference. Correct. My concern would be where will all these four-year-olds attend school? Would it be on a K-12 campus where we're making it look like baby elementary school? Or would it be in a setting where it's very conducive for child development, best practices for child growth? Because I did have experience being home with a great-grandmother, and I know some people prefer a natural setting for that age group. That's why some people pr- prefer family daycare centers because Correct. it's still like home-style living. There is great benefits for me to be at home with a great-grandmother where I saw day-to-day living, and she read stories to me. And, you know, just being in that comfort and warmth of a loving environment was very good for my socio 
emotional development, right? Correct. So what happens to a child who is in a setting because preschool looks like for a lot of people or good quality uh-huh. looks like if it's in a campus full of K through 12 or K through five. Right. So my concern, that will be my concern is that are we willing to learn what research shows about best practices and how children grow in the environments that, you know, best will optimize their school readiness skills. Yet, yes. remember that they are still young learners, early learners, and they still need early care. Correct. And, in, you know, importantly concern. enough, I really like what both of you said. And I just want to piggyback on what you were talking about with the word play. And for a lot of people that are not in early education, and I certainly didn't come from that world either, I was supplanted into that world from the K-12 world. And what I had to learn was, and I, what I always tell people as they start to understand the importance of play, I substitute the word with expiration just so that they are sort of, and I know that that may be a trick that I'm doing for them to see that learning does happen through expiration, even in the K-12 through world. Unfortunately, they don't have enough uh, manipulatives and enough sort of involved play or exploration in the K through 12 world. But I like Ayana and I was reading a researcher recently who talked about, you know, where are we going with universal preschool? And they had some concerns and the concerns were, you know, what might the future of universal pre-K really look like? You know, as researchers, we, I have concerns. It sounds like Ayana has concerns. And I think one of my concerns is I know that the preschool experience should be about exploration but academically, I feel like we're starting to push four-year-olds into a world where they're pre-fives, and we're going to put them in a world where dittos and that sort of learning that happens in the K-12 through world might also happen with them with large directional groups and instead of the actual small group instruction that we know really works foundationally well for four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And just the exploration that comes with child development, you know, and being mm-hmm. able to explore and learn through conversation and you know, those small groups are very important, but I think that we may lose that with what's coming. And we have to be really careful about making sure that those environments we're putting children in don't look like elementary school for four-year-olds. Correct, correct. And we know that there are currently preschool programs on elementary campuses. Correct. So um, I feel like we, the hope would be the best of all worlds would be that folks would still consider, because you also have to think about your own child and think about what they're ready for. Mm-hmm. There are some children that you may feel like, almost to what you just mentioned, Ayana, that a home setting is still optimal for your particular child. There are some really great educators who are doing great preschool work from home um and for our I don't even want to say our district for just districts out there um I think just kind of keeping in mind that children at the early levels you don't want to stifle their um abilities their abilities Uh and their their just natural desire to explore sponges to play Um, And if we just think, I sometimes use this analogy, when I learned best about um, money, I'm always always talk about money, (laughs) when I learned best and most about money was when I played Monopoly. I learned early and understood that if you invested, 
into certain properties on the board that you had a better return, right? Yes. And that if you used your money in a way, like don't always just go and get, 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 save up what you need for the better, you know, things. So I would say the same is true about, you know, students, that you learn so much through play that you don't even necessarily think about more so than all of those other kinds of things you mentioned, something like dittos and stuff. So just, um, I think legislation, those people who are making the policies that they really should be remindful of the fact that you want teachers to provide the best learning experiences. And at the earlier age, it's all about exploration. Kids learn by doing, they're always putting things in their hands and in their mouths and all of that kind of stuff, right? right? And then it leads to something else. So, um, and we haven't even touched on the brain. Oh, you know, yeah. brain development always, yeah. you know, is what we know about brain development mm-hmm. is that early on it evolves, you know, mm-hmm. and it evolves to flourish, but it's not going to evolve if there's rigorous schooling going on. Right. Correct. You right. know, it's only going to evolve in non-traditional through exploration, interaction and conversation, right. which I think are the best ways. But that sort of surge in the neutral pruning of the brain mm-hmm. is not advantageous, you know, to children. And so Correct. we're sort of pushing them into a place where their brains are not fundamentally ready. Right, right, you know right. I mean? yes. By sitting them down at a desk and going through this yeah. rigorous academic uh, pre-testing yeah. phase so that they can do well on a test. Right. That's not early childhood development. Too and you know, instruction. right. And you know, there's an activity that people have done over the years. And for our listeners, if you haven't participated in something like this, this is a great time for you. Think about who your teacher, the teacher that you thought was your best teacher. Think about what you did, didn't do, and all of those kinds of things with that teacher. And I can guarantee you there will be um, some things that you will think, what you're thinking about when you think of that teacher is that they allowed you to explore that they gave you the room to maybe work in small groups or they gave you the opportunity to kind of develop it yourself and then explain it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Isn't that something that a, a great teacher has enough, has enough confidence to allow students to have freedom? Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's right. a big yes. notion to me. To, I, mean, I love like those teachers. Yes, yes, I love yes. teachers that allow right. children in the classroom to be independent yes. and them to be strong enough to be, if they need to wind them back in mm-hmm. because they've stretched out too far and went way out of bounds with the parameters right. you've set. Mm-hmm. We know how to bring them back. Mm-hmm. I love teachers that have enough confidence like that. Right. That's what real teaching is. Yes, yes. So I, I feel like even with um, – you know, on the campuses to to know that there is also age appropriate furniture. Mm. So you know, I've gone to you know people say, "Hey, you know, come see my school." They're so proud that they may have a CSPP or you know a state preschool program or an ETK, and they know that I'm in the early care industry, right. early learning in- industry. So they want me to come and see this classroom. And when I get there, I just want to cry for the kids. The desks are too large, too right. big. You know, they have all these. Drill kill look like almost standards, you know, where they're having the children try to follow on these little dotted lines, and you know they don't have the age appropriate pencils. And I'm thinking in my mind not to bust on the person's parade, or you know, like this is really killing this kid. What you're doing, not killing right. in a 
in the in no the i get sense, the word I'm, that's you know not too saying? strong a word it really it is, is really like killing the, the, the spirit of yes. the student to have you know this what i mean model in front of them this expectation when yet you might need to just bring it back and see if he even can hold that pencil Right, you know? right, right. So, One point. of the things that I, um, I wasn't always in early childhood. And one of the things that I loved the most when I finally understood it was what outdoor learning really is and how you learn so much from the outdoor Absolutely. experience. Um, it's so different from recess, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which we all remember, yes. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but you, to your point, Ayana, you have to have those materials and those things that are appropriately, mm-hmm. you know, age appropriate for students to be able to interact with it, even outdoors. It's okay. I mean, we all know, come on. We know that we dug in the mud and we pulled out those worms. Come on. Yes, we yes, poured some water on it yes, so that they could yes, come out yes. so that we could look and see what that was all about, right. right? And that helped us with our science later on, Correct. right? So just don't be afraid of the play. Don't think that they're missing out because you want them to play 200 minutes right. a, you know, a day. There is a lot of learning that happens it's there. It's a magical world. Yeah. That's what I like to think of. And my first times at Disneyland and Small World and all those kind of places were about play. No, I couldn't really play with the things there, but it was for it was exploration for me. It yes. was learning for me. So the environment is really conducive to that kind of learning, like Disneyland was for me. Mm-hmm. And then the interaction is what I like the most. And I like that you spoke about the outside environment. Because yes. play and exploration happens everywhere. As yes. I tell my parents, it happens going down the street. When you ask them, how many trees can we count today going home? Right. You know? Right. When you go to the market, you know, and you have your three-year-old, and they're picking up the potato chip sandwiches. Or the potato chips, I should say. Potato chip sandwiches. sandwiches. I remember those, too. I'm dating myself. But the Lay's yeah. and, the, and the barbecue and the Doritos, how many different kinds can we find? What's the variety? Right. Those are the kind of play moments that happen in and out of classrooms that I absolutely just love. Right. So when is this going? to happen tell our listeners about you know the time frame this is happening i believe july is the enactment of universal preschool nationwide okay um i think all four-year-olds have the opportunity to now um you know actively pursue an application for preschool and which means that a lot of dollars and all you people, you young people out there who have a knack for teaching, we're going to need early childhood professionals. Absolutely. We're going to need early childhood aides. We're going to need early childhood teachers. Mm-hmm. We're going to need early childhood principals. We're going to need people in the field who really care and love children. But more importantly than caring and loving, are willing to learn the strategies and skills to be good educators. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I agree. Wow. I agree. Very exciting, Michael. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm glad we had that to talk about. I just I think that we're on the right track with Universal Preschool. We just have to be careful, as Ayana was saying. I agree. Let's go on to our next topic, which is um probably a little deeper than the first. I'm really interested. We had some some pre-conversation before we uh decided to come on air today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And we were not in all agreement about this <laughs> war. So I'll I'll say that first in preparation. Um, well, let's open it up. We know there's a war happening, and we know that every day on the news we're getting updates and um, some new news that is coming across our channels around what's going on. What are you guys thinking? Because for me, I also want to make sure that we phrase it and uh, start to think about what children are thinking about. What is war? 
and, and, and what is this? What happens when they see tanks on the news and they don't understand it? How are we talking with them about it? And more importantly, how are you digesting it? Is it affecting you or not? Because we have some differences of opinions about even that. So, well, I just say this: war is since the beginning of time that you know people been in war. So many wars that in the Bible. So war is a part of life. You know when there's an interest and influence and power and territory or, you know, when one group feels entitled or feel the need to persuade their way of living, their governance onto another group of people, there's war, there's resistance, and then there's, you know, um, hostile takeovers. That's just a way of life. I, I, I understand that it will never end. War is we're always going to be in war sometimes. It's, has, it's, it's a way of life, a way of living together. And um, that's about what I know, what I feel about war itself. I'll piggyback on um, what Ayana is saying. I've recently been, wa- been watching The Last Kingdom. Oh, yes. I like that. I love that. I love and that. And it helps me. To, and I, I've been associating what's happening now with what I've yes. been seeing there. And it's really, at the end of the day, to me, it's just about power. Um, Who wants to be in charge? And because I want something, whatever that is, if you don't play the way I want you to play with me, I'm then I'm going to take it yeah. by any means necessary. Religion, right. Economic. Right. Absolutely. I like the way you explain that, especially if you think about what you just said, Cherise. It would be a great way to explain that to a three- or four-year-old. Oh, didn't think about, think that. about that. Yes. If you don't give me what I want, then I'm going to either take it or destroy it. Mm-hmm. So that you can't play with it and you can't have it. Right. At the basic philosophy of understanding something, mm-hmm. that really is the concept of war. And Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, that was an excellent, Game of Thrones. Right. excellent, excellent um, vantage point for you to learn about war, manipulation, power, control, and influence. And I agree with both of you, and mm-hmm. this goes back to what we were saying before we even went on air today. Um, I see things a little differently. I am really... To my surprise, I'm I'm a metaphysical person who knows that there is going to be war forever, mm-hmm. and I can't change it. I get that concept, and then there's the other concept of trying to make sure that children understand it and my my students understand it. But for me, Michael Haygood, Doctor Haygood, it has had an effect on me. I think that the you know I said this before. I watched that movie called um, Winter on Fire or something on Netflix, and it was regarding the 2014 invasion of Russia into Ukraine. So this is the second war that they've had to endure. And I know that governments do this, and I know that governments are polluted, and I know that governments are designed for power, and I know that everybody wants power, and I get that whole argument. But I'm looking at the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of just, and maybe it was because I was in the military that I have this affection for people that have died at the hands of, they may not even know what the fight is about. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm talking about just regular people right. who've had to be pulled into this thing because of, you know, this dictator and this American, um, you know, and I'm not 100% always going to side with this government either if they're wrong. But the reality is I just hate that so many lives are being destroyed because yes. of one man's need for power and another government, particularly America, also trying to stop the power, but also wants its own power. So just that, the regular everyday person who's affected by this, I've been affected by that. 
that person. Right. I'm sorry to hear that, but I have a question. I'm sorry sure. to hear that it, that is affecting you. Stop watching all that stuff. Um, but <laughs> listen. So, how do you feel about? Because I have a strong feeling about this. Um, I read in an article HBCU Hampton University, and I believe some others, to offer summer room and board to Ukrainian students for free. HBCUs are offering. What do you think? Room, summer room. Because you're holding back for what you really think. You just phrased it. <laughs> right. Just you go know, ahead and say I, it. Huh? I, I feel a way. I just, I just feel a way um, because, you know, I just feel a way. Because I'm a single mom, and you, um, by choice, I did divorce. And I did do have a son who attended Xavier University. And I had to do all that it took, refinance home, take out parent loan, you know, just do so many things to get my son born here. My dad was in a Vietnam vet. My granddad was a, is an Army vet. And, you know, so I am here, a black American living here. Um, and I well, feel away. Let me offer a thought. Where, where you are, let me offer a thought. I feel away. So and what I have a question. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going. And I'm going to play that advocate that is on okay. the other side of the fence. I don't like that other word when people say advocate, but I'll just say I'm on the other side of the fence with asking this question, not necessarily in my stance. What happens when, you know, people say to us, black Americans and Hispanic Americans, I should say Latino uh, Americans, we don't really, you know, want you guys here. You're taking our jobs, too. I was born here, and I was here before you. My people were here before you. Um, this ain't really your country anyway, and you're really immigrants, too. So why are you pushing out the Ukrainian from getting that HBCU because they're killing our people? Then what does that say about you that you won't give us a spot, but yet you want, you know, you want equitable consideration from white America when they give you slots and, and and sort of make sure that things are equitable. What ha- what's the difference? Okay, so help me help me think help me think about that again because I'm thinking about not myself because I can have means of ways to pay for all the debt that I'm in. Okay, let's just say, you know, um, some of our and I'm only thinking about historically black college is because of the premise and the foundation of what they've been built upon, right? That was specific for black students because of, you know, you know, years of oppression and systemic racism and blah, 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 blah. But you know there are white students that go there. Oh, there are white students. There were white folks who found who found these um, HBCUs. I'm still thinking about what the mission right. and what mm-hmm. the um, purpose. The purpose of the yeah. college was meant for. So I don't know if these same institutions offer free room and board for severely disadvantaged students unless and unless you qualify with grades and have a scholarship like you know you have the grades mm-hmm. high gpa blah 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 but just i mean just seriously maybe a disadvantaged students whose circumstances may not have been where they actually have the grades but an opportunity p- to perform because i'm wondering are they transferring are they getting transcripts from these colleges from ukraine or, or are they just letting them in on good faith because you just came over to the country so my so my, my only my only um like a, my feeling of a way is because I would love to see if that same empathy, compassion, and oh my God, I feel so bad for these students. Is it the same 
consideration and compassion and empathy for, oh, my God, I feel for that the same student in Jordan Down. And I would say right now, Gardens. today, the answer to your question, mm-hmm. I don't have the answer like I'm the actual answeree, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. my answer would be no. Probably not. Because right now, their war is happening. Right now. And I know that right now, things are also happening for that student who's black, who is, un- who is in a Because we're always at war. Got it. Okay. Always at war. Okay. And I get that. Uh-huh. I think the urgency of what's going on with the Ukrainian um, sort of favoritism that's going on mm-hmm. with the United States mm-hmm. is because of the atrocities that we're seeing on TV and every day and so forth. And I don't think it's just propaganda. I know propaganda is happening in Russia where they don't get anything mm-hmm. purposely because they don't want them to know what's going on in mm-hmm. the world. So I don't necessarily, um, I'm not watching the news because I'm getting ready to go get a blue and yellow flag. But I am also one of those kinds of people that looks at oppression of any group. And I try to attach empathy for that and become active if I can. Because I don't think that sitting aside and watching just I'm only going to be involved when it's something about black people. I'm only going to be involved when it's something about gay people. I'm only going to be involved when it's something that I care for. I think that's why the world is like it is. A humanitarian approach. I think it's okay. a very humanitarian Versus approach. For Let me ask you this because I didn't see the article. Is it just for a semester? Is it just for one year? You know, during this time period, what are the parameters on that? And then the other question that I have is, it made me think about when um, some of our states have been um, have had troubles with hurricanes and those kinds of things. Relief. Right. Are students offered free um, tuition? You know, in Sometimes some of our some of the other the HBCUs of that yes, are in other states and stuff, in terms of free. Yeah. Now I know that sometimes they'll take take them in, but are they giving them the free? It gotcha. says here it is the good people. Okay. <laughs> over at Hampton <laughs> University. That's what the article actually it says. says. The good people. All right, she's reading it. Okay, over quote. At Hampton <laughs> University apparently feel the same way. This is about the heartbreaking news and the prayers for the Ukrainians and youth. Feel the same way, so much so that the prestigious HBCU will be offering up a full ride to a handful of disenfranchised Ukrainian students to continue their studies at the Virginia campus this summer. Okay. Uh, Okay. So that. We don't know how long the the war is going on, right? No. Well, it says for the summer. Afterwards, after the summer, the, the 2022 summer session will include room, board, and tuition all covered for the summer. Afterwards, attendees will have the option to continue their studies at Hampton at the regular tuition rate, though. Okay. 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 So I could get with that. Me too. Okay. I can get with that because it's Me just too. a summer program. It's kind of like, you know, we want to do something to assist right. you. And I like how, you know, you brought in that whole thing around those who are pressed. Right. So yeah, that so I'll, that we're looking at that at, at all levels all. and not just, you know, one now. Yes, I have an affinity for, you know, what we've gone through as black Absolutely. folks. And have and, and that's why where the apathy comes in too. Correct. I'm apathetic to certain things, obviously, because I got so much to deal with with just being black. Yes. And being a black man. Yes. So I get that. I get that apathy. I'm just wanting to make sure I recognize what the apathy is so that I don't lose the humanness. I think for all the things that have happened to me, mm-hmm. to black people in particular. On the planet is we've become numb to just being having human feelings 
for other people. Like if that's not our our cause, we sometimes stand back. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because not we certainly know what hurt and oppression looks like, but we haven't necessarily been involved Correct. in the same way that other people are. I look at you know being um um in this community of, of black folks. I've always had the people that have been the meanest and the most hurtful have been black people when it comes to being gay. So I look at that as 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 an as a, an example of I wish that people would learn from their own pain of being oppressed. Yes. And then translate that onto maybe I don't understand that thing or maybe I don't understand what being a woman is, but I certainly can be empathetic to the person who is who tells me their truth. Correct. And Correct. their story. Right. You know, right. I know that. And that's hard for me because I don't understand where that lack of disconnect comes from being hurt, brutalized, and then seeing someone else hurt and brutalized, but then not caring about that. Right. Right. And I'm with you. Until we come to that place of understanding, we'll always keep, you know, continuing to struggle. And it'll be exactly what Ayana was saying. Yes. Which is... There will always be war. There will always be. Yeah. And maybe I sound Pollyanna as you know what. Mm-hmm. And Rainbow as you know what. But my hope and desire, and maybe that does come from, you know, that whole hope for people. I really do hope that the planet can sort of get it together. I know I won't be here. Mm-hmm. You know, my spirit will be here. But right. I won't be here in the flesh. Um, so maybe that can happen. But I do think to make the world a better place, we have to seek for that. Yes. Especially for yes. our kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't want children who don't care about their neighbors. I don't want children who are not concerned about the oppressed boy down the street. Right. You know, when I watch TikTok, those are the videos I go to. Mm. Because the little boy is taking up for another little boy on the bus. Don't mm-hmm. even know why. Right. But he doesn't want to see a little boy get bullied. Mm-hmm. Right. I love videos like that. Or handing the girl, the woman behind you in the store, the money to pay for the yes. groceries. Mm-hmm. Those yes. are the things that we have to get back to mm-hmm. as a planet of people. Yes, so. yes, yes. Because there's enough for all of us. Yes, enough. Yeah, well, that seems like that was two great it. topics. I thank you both for having this great discussion today. Where are we, where are we going now, Ayana? Well, of course, I want to leave you with a thought. Thank you. And a thought is simply this. Since we're on this war topic, I just want to say one of my uh, my heroes, Muhammad Ali, says, I ain't going no 10,000 miles to help murder and kill poor people. If I want to die, I'll do it right here fighting over here. All right. <laughs> I like that over here. Muhammad Ali. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. So I'm just going to remind you to make sure that you follow us. Wherever you support podcasts, make sure to look for us at No Longer Neutral. Like us, rate us. We're waiting on you. Absolutely. We can't take it no longer. We out. We see you guys next next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.